If you will, open up your Bibles to Romans, the 12th chapter. This is our fifth time talking about this subject, and uh, we've called it Not Conformed, But Transformed. And uh, we've looked at some different things concerning this verse, and last week we saw that, you know, being conformed, you can hear these verses, uh, you know, and get different opinions because you can hear them over the years and you can think, oh, it means this or it means that. And one thing we saw last week about not being conformed to this world and the way the world does it is uh, when this one guy had been openly sinning in the church and just doing wrong. I mean, he was sleeping with his stepmom openly, didn't even care. And uh, we saw that how that uh, they were supposed to deal with it, but really the main focus or a big part of the focus was on the rest of the church who wasn't even living wrong. And he dealt with them about their mentality and their attitude toward these types of things. And so we can see a lot here as we read these verses about how the church believers are supposed to not be shaped like the world. And so let's read here in Romans 12, verse 2. We're not going to read verse 1 this week. He said, And do not be conformed, or literally pressed into the, the shape of the world, or the way they are. Because here's why we don't want to be pressed into the shape of the world. We've looked at it in detail different ways, but the Bible said we're in the world, but we're not of the world. Christians are in this very world, people who are believers, but they're not of the world. They've been born and they have the life of God in them. They have eternal life. Actually, that eternal life is powerful whether it's used or not. Are you with me? I mean, I don't know about you, but I grew up in an era when they had good cartoons. Everybody says that, right? But Bugs Bunny, and there were all these, you know, after World War II, they made these videos and, and, uh, or these cartoons, and some of them would be, he'd be a bomb tester. Anybody remember those? He'd get a hammer and he'd hit the bullet, the bomb, to see, and he'd write, dud, dud, dud. And then the cartoon would end. Well, what are you saying? Well, once you hit the right one, power is released. The cartoon's over, so is bugs. But the fact of the matter is, I wonder if some people think, yeah, we've got a ticket to heaven. We've got something. But we don't realize that when you become a Christian, you're not signing up for religion. You're getting eternal life inside of you. You're actually getting the life of God in your spirit, not in your mind, and you get recreated inside, and it's a real thing. And, but you could live your life and not tap into it even though you have it as a believer. And that's why he said, don't be pressed into the mold and be shaped into the mold of the world and function like the world functions and do things like the world does them. Now, don't get me wrong, it's not like we can't enjoy some of the things that the world enjoys, because God made the earth and the fullness thereof, and he made them to be richly enjoyed, not by the devil's people, but by his people. And he wants all people to be his, ultimately, but he didn't make the coral seas so that the world could scuba dive and enjoy them, and we sit on the beach 
you know, in a little shack and pray the whole time. No, he made it so you could go look at and go, wow. So you could get up in the mountains and go, whoa, look at that. So you could go catch a big fish. I just said that for my own benefit. You know what I mean? Hit a hole in one, whatever it is. But he doesn't want those things to dominate us. And the way the world does it is all the pleasures, that's all they live for. We live for God, or we're supposed to, and then we can enjoy the byproducts of different things that he created. But it's always God and then those other things. But the world, he said, don't be pressed into their mold. The world does not have what we have. Why would we want to be pressed into their mold? Why would we want to function like they function when we're the ones with the life of God? You have the life of God if you've received Jesus. Whether, you know, you've been hitting the hammer on the bullet going, no, I, I have exactly what they have. No, you don't have a dud. You just need to realize that life can have a tremendous influence. We need to not forget that. That eternal life can have a tremendous influence on every aspect of your life. And so here he said, don't be shaped and be controlled and function like the world functions, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now understand, your mind is more than just thinking. Your mind is your emotions. Amen. You know, you ever have been, you know, have you ever heard this term, I'm just an emotional wreck right now? You know, you connect a car accident to your emotions. And it looks like that. Probably every Christian at some point has faced a time where their emotions uh, have been racked. None of you know what I'm talking about. Okay, well, praise the Lord. Then you must be three years, no, that's too old. You must be a year old. No, everybody has faced emotional things in their life. No matter how, not me, if you're that not me person, somewhere you have. Period. And he said, don't be conformed to this world or pressed into their mold. Uh, part of it is our emotions, how we function, how we deal with things. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If you ever notice when your emotions get going, it's because your mind has already gotten going. Certain things have been happening. And he said here, but we can change things. Our mind can be affected. Our emotions can be affected. And then we can start recognizing what's God's good, perfect, and acceptable will. When you start being able to measure out things correctly you're going to be able to deal wisely even emotionally with things. Sometimes we look at things and they affect us more than they should just because the way we approach them and think about them. Are you with me? Or they affect us less than they should. In other words, my emotions can be affected and I think, oh, what's the big deal about sin? Or... I can start thinking correctly and really my emotions start lining up with that eternal life that's in me, that real life and power of God. 
And when I use the word me, I'm talking to anybody saved. And when I start thinking, man, this is not good, this is harmful and it's hurtful for people, this does them no good, I'm not judging them and trying to be harsh on them, I'm just realizing these things are destructive and I have mercy on them. But he tells us here not to be pressed into their mold. Don't do life like they do life. There is a different way to do life if you're a believer. Amen? And, 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 it, and, and sometimes people have ideas that are really can be weird about this stuff. But, but we're not to do life like them. This doesn't mean like, you know, I can't enjoy things. I can't, you know, I need to wear a potato sack. You know, I can't have any fashion sense. No makeup, you know, none of that. Was it Billy Graham who said, even a barn looks better with a little bit of paint on it? No offense. And I'm not telling men to put makeup on either. <laughs> but I'm, <laughs> some people are like, whoa. Anyway, I'm going right back to my notes. And, um, but we need to realize there, you know, you can get squirrely, you know, that idea and that thought's been around, you know, for years, you know, just looking all over the place. But there is something to be said about believers living a certain kind of life and being influenced by God's eternal life in you. So if you will, turn with me to James, the fifth chapter. We're going to look at something that may, it may seem like, what's this got to be not, about not being conformed to this world? Well, God wants us to be influenced not by the world when we go through things, but He really wants to have a say and really have an influence on what you're going through. And I don't know about you, but God can influence things in a grand way, in a big way in our lives. Whether we believe it or not, we're going to see that He can, and then we'll be able to believe he can. James, the fifth chapter, the 13th verse says this, is anyone among you suffering? Is anyone among you suffering? What is the word there, suffering? It literally uh, translates and says this, is anyone among you sad? Emotionally tried. And, uh, you know, somebody here today might be going, not me, I'm so excited. Well, you'll get to read the last part of the verse. He'll give you some instructions. But he said, for the person who's sad. Another translation says, suffering hardship. Now, we're talking different than being tempted here. Because when we're tempted, we have different instructions and some of those instructions count here about speaking to the mountain, but there's a little bit difference. There's a difference here. And he's talking about some kind of conflict in the emotional realm and hardship, and really hardship maybe that's been tossed on you outside of your circumstances. The Greek word there literally means to suffer, to endure evils and hardships and troubles. In other words, when he said, 
right here in the 13th verse, is any of you among you suffering a hardship? Is any among you experiencing emotional stuff? Sadness, different types of emotions. Why would he tell you uh, if, if anyone is? Because at some point, everybody is going to, and there is a cure, and there is a remedy, and there is divine help. And so he said, if that is you, he said, do this. Pray. Pray. And we're going to talk about why. And then it goes on to say, and I find this interesting right after, is any among you, anyone cheerful? Anyone sad? Emotionally affected? Anybody cheerful? He said, if you're cheerful, sing a song. Give praise to the Lord. Now, how many of you would believe this? If you were cheerful and you're walking with God, you know, singing a song, sometimes people don't think, hey, if I'm doing good, I should give praise to the Lord. Why would he tell you if you're doing good and you're cheerful, sing a song? Because it will cause an avalanche, so to speak, of his power just to be even more released. It will cause something just to come forth in a greater way. What he's trying to say here is, look, there is something that can affect you from God, and both of these are going to give help, but they're both for different emotional states. Because technically, spiritually, if you're born again, you have the life of God. You are constantly in good standing with God. Ever notice your emotions don't always go like that? Inside, you're full of the life of God in your spirit, but then there's an emotional part, and He's trying to help people to deal with the emotional part of them when you're going through situations, uh, how to overcome or how to be influenced and affected. You with me? How many people who have uh, been wounded in war by not a bullet? They, they literally have definitions now. It's called post-traumatic stress disorder. We had somebody in our church who had that for years and years. And through the power of God, they got instantly delivered. Their emotions got changed. And they've been free. But here's the thing. Emotions are real. I know a minister uh, who was in uh, the Vietnam War who talked about people suffering that type of thing that were there by all the atrocities they watched. He said, though, back then God would deal with them and he started learning how to deal with that stuff so his emotions didn't become overcome. Because, see, God, in the world we live in, I believe that we're going to see more great things happen from God and we're going to keep walking in more and more. And I believe our nation isn't going down the toilet. Now, you may be over there flushing it, but I'm throwing paper in it going, it ain't going down. 
Somebody's like, I don't know if that was a good illustration, but it was an illustration. I believe God can turn things. I don't think of all people we should be just pronouncing it's going down the toilet when we believe God is big and powerful in our midst. All right, that's good. Let's go ahead and close up and we'll see. No, but we should be thinking that way. We shouldn't be pressed into the form of the world and just think, well, if it goes bad, it gets worse. No, that kind of doesn't sound right. Now, we understand the world is going to get worse before the Lord comes back. But that doesn't mean that we can't have dramatic impact on the world. I mean, how could you ever say that you're full of the life of God, I'm full of the life of God, and we can't have a profound influence on the world? Doesn't mean it, there won't be extremes, but they can be extremes on both sides. There was extremes on both sides when Jesus walked the earth. There was extremes on both sides when the disciples walked the earth. But they shook countries just because they were willing to walk in the life they had. Amen? But we're talking about going through things. If anybody is going through a hard time, suffering, he said, let them pray. Why would he tell us, as believers, to pray? Now understand this, that word pray is going to elicit all kinds of responses. Some people are going to hear that word pray, and they're going to think fire alarm, scream. Oh, God! You know, different people are going to look at that word pray. If you're going through a hard time, pray. And they're going to say, I've been doing that. I just go and cry the whole time. Or I scream and shake my fist at God. It's going to elicit all different kinds of responses. Because you get different people. You know, if I say everybody picture a cheeseburger right now. Some people who are deceived are picturing a Big Mac. People of a sound mind are thinking in and out burger. That's what they're picturing. You know, I'm joking, but the fact of the matter is when people look at things and you say prayer, one person's looking at it one way and prayer to another person is another way. So in order to get us all on the same menu, we're going to look at the Word of God. Why would we pray? Here are some reasons why we would pray, and then we're going to talk about how to do this. Are you with me? Somebody said, I already know how to do it. Maybe you do, but for the person who doesn't, we'll look at this. And so I have some different things. If he said pray, why would we pray? One, we would pray to get God's plan. If we're suffering and we're sad, we need His direction. You could say it like this too. Sometimes we just need His perspective. Perspective can make a huge difference in a person's life. The Bible tells us perspective will help us to anchor our soul when we know He's coming. But there can be people who can hear He's coming and it doesn't anchor their soul. 
it doesn't cause them to want to live a pure life. It, why? Because it really isn't something they're seeing. It's, it's just a natural concept. But when it becomes a reality to them, he says this is what will happen. People will start changing their lifestyle. So when we pray, it helps us to get you know, perspective, correct perspective. Because when you ever notice when you're going stuff, emotions can be strong. You know, I've told this story years ago. I was playing baseball when I was younger. I was about 21. No, i kidding. I was Little League. You'll know why. I remember we got in the car after the game, and we were going to go to Tasty Freeze because you get ice cream there. Chocolate dip, in case you were wondering. And uh, I remember my parents, when we got in the car, them saying, we just want to let you know our dog Jenny died. Was our dog's name, Boston Terrier. I just started crying. You know the kind of crying that only you can do when you're young. <laughs> you know, and I am crying. And I told him, how come you didn't tell me before the game? He said, we didn't think you could handle it. <gasps> yes, I could have. I can't even breathe right now. But they were looking at it from a natural perspective. But really, it, people need a, a godly perspective. And the reason why I'm saying this, emotions can be really strong. You with me? A, a, a black bear, a female, normally in the woods, you can make them, you can get. Start dealing with their cubs, get near their cubs you better get. Or be able to run faster than the person you're with. Or know your authority in the name of Jesus. Why? Because emotions go, hi And emotions can start being a dominating force when emotions can be good, but sometimes emotions can drive you into certain actions and activities that you regret later. I know you're all thinking about somebody else right now who's done that. No, so we want to get a correct perspective. Praying gets us out of the natural and helps us to start tapping in to a true spiritual perspective, which can then influence your emotions. We pray to enlist God's assistance. We pray to become conscious. You know, you can be emotionally conscious and be thinking all up in your emotions, you know, and, and just thinking. But, you know, there's another perspective beyond how you feel, what you see, and where your emotions are right now. There is a spiritual perspective, whether you recognize it or not. You know, there's people who live in the world and have no true spiritual perspective. Literally, they're religious and everything, but I'm talking about people who are born of God can, can gain a true spiritual perspective where they start seeing things from God's standpoint and God is able to affect them in their emotions. And so we pray to do that. But it helps us to uh, really to distinguish what's our emotions. And really our emotions can be medicated by the Lord. 
It is a true statement. You know, I remember I had this one youth, uh, this young guy. It was a young guy and girl. She was a couple years younger. And um, she uh, actually, I went to this camp. A situation happened. And this father said, we're moving our whole family back down to Guatemala. And these were sharp kids. And really, he left out of fear. And you don't ever make decisions out of fear. You with me? You just don't do that. Well, what if this happens? Or what if this is going to happen? You make calculated decisions based on what's right and by wisdom and not just out of fear. So his father took him and the kid was like 18, 17, I think at the time, went into college. He's 19 years old. He's down there. He's in this town square uh, in, in the center of Guatemala City, and they were having problems uh, with, uh, like, guerrilla warfare and different things, and they were working against the government. So the military would patrol. Well, these three college kids are there. One of them's this kid that had been in my youth group. And uh, they thought, man, these guys are going to do something to us. They didn't realize they were military, and they took off running, and the military shot and killed a couple of them, and one of them was our kid that was in my youth group. And his sister's emotions snapped. She got angry with God. Well, it wasn't God. Well, that, that was the thief. But her emotions were jacked up. I mean, like, seriously messed up. And you could see why. You're a young teenager. You go through this traumatic experience. They were really close together. And she is just hurting. And she gets angry with God. She gets angry and she's not in church. She moves back to the United States. They go back to the San Diego area. Some friend of hers says, you know, about three, four years later, why don't you go to this meeting with me? And her emotions are just broken. They're affected. Did God want to help her? Yeah. She literally went into this meeting and the preacher just said, I don't know, there's a girl somewhere down here and you've been hurt and broken in your emotions and God's power just went through her and she got free. Got free. Just got free, got ministered to by God. God wants to have a say in all parts of your life. And uh, the believer, when we get where we're conscious of spiritual things, not just natural things, we're going to be open to God's influence, to His promptings, to His dealings, to what He would like to say, His perspective on things. And so I'm going to read a couple of verses uh, about a certain type of way to pray. In 1 Corinthians 14, it tells us here about a way to pray. And there's a reason why this type of prayer for the believer is uh, necessary. Whether the world thinks you're nuts for doing it, that's okay. We'll be wise when we do this, but we'll know the value of this type of prayer. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 14 says, For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays. Now remember, we're talking about perspective. 
We're talking about getting a spiritual perspective. We're talking about your emotions are not spiritual, they're natural. I mean, but they're connected to you. So there's a spiritual aspect, but they can be very influenced by the natural. And he said, when I pray in a tongue or an unknown tongue, and we know that from the context, he said, my spirit prays. In other words, this type of prayer originates in and through your spirit. And then it goes on to say, but my, or he's talking about our understanding or our thinking, is unfruitful. Notice he said this type of prayer will connect you not just to your emotions. And if you're going through emotional things, you need a spiritual perspective. You need spiritual influence. You need maybe a word from God. You, it, it can be any number of things. But he said, when your uh, emotions are sad, when you're suffering hardship, he said, pray. And we need to go beyond just our emotions when we pray. We're spiritual beings. When people make contact with God and God reaches them and people respond to God, they're actually connecting on a spiritual level. Religion is on a natural level. Let's work, let's do hard, let's, let's pray because that's what religious people do. Let's do this. But we're talking about people who gain eternal life and their spirits are in good standing with God because of the gift Christ gave we need to connect on a spiritual level. We're doing this life not just natural, and we don't want to be pressed into the mold by which the world does things. So he said, you can pray this way. The Amplified says this, Bible. If I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding, or I'm sorry, New American Standard says, but my mind is unproductive. Now, we should have productive minds, but if I'm trying to have my mind not pressed into the mold and the influence of the things in the world, how am I going to get a perspective? I'm going to get it out of the Word of God, but I'm, it's going to also help me to connect uh, and be conscious spiritually to get a... And I'm talking, this is about people who are saved and filled with the Spirit... A spiritual perspective. Jesus said of this gift of receiving the Holy Spirit, He said, I'm not going to leave you orphans. How many people have been left orphans? And they grew up in a situation, and you hear the hardships that they went through. Some people who were orphans had a good life, but you hear about people living in certain situations. Jesus said, I'm leaving, I'm not going to leave you an orphan. I'm not going to leave you without help. Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He's going to come and live in you when you receive me. You can be filled to overflowing, and He will take my place. What a deal. Why should I be pressed into the shape of the world when I've got this situation? The Amplified Bible says here about this praying in an unknown tongue. He said, for if I pray in an unknown tongue, 
my spirit, this way down here, Jesus said concerning the Holy Spirit, He'd be in you bubbling up like rivers out of your belly. He said, my spirit, by the Holy Spirit within me, prays. Well, not only am I becoming conscious of my own spirit, I'm becoming conscious of the Holy Spirit when I'm praying this way. Well, who is the teacher? Who's the one who took the place of Jesus? Jesus said, it's better that I leave and, and, and than for me to stay. Most people who read that, and even myself, when I didn't have understanding, thought, that is a false statement, Jesus. And it would be. And some people who are Christians still believe that's a false statement. And still say, if I could have only lived when Jesus were here. The reason we think that way is we really haven't tapped in to the benefit of the one who he said he would leave. And so when he said here, for if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit, by the Holy Spirit within me, prays. So I'm becoming conscious of my own spirit when I pray this way, but I'm becoming more conscious of the work of the Holy Spirit. He said, but my mind is unfruitful or unproductive. Well, hey, when your emotions are productive, this is a way to get them unproductive. You ever felt like I need my emotions to settle down a little bit? Nobody has ever had that? Well, I'll just preach to myself. No, everybody has been there, and if you haven't, it won't be long, and you're going to need your emotions to be settled down. And he said, the mind becomes unproductive. It bears no fruit and helps nobody. Well, then this is helping me to look over at a different perspective and see something different. A time when your emotions can be so busy or, you know, if your emotions are too busy on the wrong thing, you get tired. You get tired. You ever heard people, after they've just been busy with stuff, they're like, I'm tired, but just not physically tired. My emotions are tired. You ever heard people talk like that? My, my emotions are just tired. They're worn out right now. Is there only rest for your physical body? Is there only strength for your spirit? Well, this will help settle them, but it doesn't just do all the work itself. Isaiah 28, 11 is a very interesting scripture about this praying in the Spirit or praying in tongues, like the Bible said, this avenue for the believer. Uh, Isaiah 28, 11, and I can prove that this is talking about praying in tongues because Peter, on the day of Pentecost, when this happened about praying in an unknown tongue, he said, he quoted this verse. Or one of these two verses. But I find it interesting because maybe there is something that we haven't tapped into. And I wonder if this is why the enemy fights people about this so much. And there's such division in the church. Because he would like people not to rely 
on the Holy Spirit like they relied on the Lord Jesus because He already watched Him in action in the earth and saw people set free physically, emotionally, and every other kind of way there is. And so maybe He would fight people so that people wouldn't want to do this or give reasons why it's stupid. But if God gives reasons why it's important, then I'm just going to have to stick with God on it. Notice verse 11 of the 28th chapter. He said, With stammering lips and another tongue, He will speak to this people. Now Peter quoted that when he was... Isaiah 28, verse 11. Did I say verse 1? Okay. So he says there, 28, 11, For with stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to this people. Well, Peter on the day of Pentecost shared this verse concerning how they were speaking in an unknown tongue after they got filled with the Spirit. But here's the interesting thing. We know that they started hearing in a different language. We know that they had this practice of praying this way in the New Testament church. But what's so wild about this is he doesn't quote the next verse, but the next verse is a benefit for doing this. To whom he said, this is the rest which you may cause the weary to rest. Think about that if you get weary in your emotions. You get weary. Is there a strength in doing this? Most people would believe this. If I hung out with the Lord, I would have experienced some strength just by hanging out with Him. Just by getting to travel with Him. Just by getting to talk with Him. Just being under His influence. And here the one Jesus said would take his place, he invites us to come under his influence. Now, this doesn't mean praying tongues all over the place when you're in the grocery store deciding, do I get this avocado or this avocado? Uh, Shundai, ooh, and start praying in tongues. You're going to look like a nut, and you are. And we're just trying to crack that nut and get the shell off and get the part that's edible out of there. But praying in tongues has a benefit. If you need to do it in public, do it under your breath so nobody hears you. Amen. To whom he said, this is the rest with which you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing, yet you would not hear. Well, we know that some of the people did not hear when they first spoke this way. But isn't it interesting? He said there's rest, there's refreshing in this. But how often is it that the Lord would even deal with His saints to come aside and pray, gain the strength, gain the rest, walk in this, get a perspective, and they're like, you know, I'm just too busy. I would wonder if that's a temptation just like Adam and Eve. To rob us of a tremendous blessing, but I'm just too busy. I want a heavenly perspective. Am I too busy to get that? Am I too busy to get influenced this way? This isn't to condemn anybody. It's to make us think, wait just a minute. Maybe being too busy is not a badge of honor. 
Maybe that's just me relying too much on my emotions. Maybe I'm running on empty. Isn't there a song like that? I heard that grunt, so it must be. And, um, but you think about it. 2 Corinthians 1, and we are not going to turn there in the 3rd and 4th chapter or verses, it talks about the influence of God's comfort and comforting people when they're afflicted. And in all their affliction, it doesn't say it will remove affliction or, or certain things, but it will be such a divine influence, it can start changing things. And so much so that you've got plenty left over to help somebody else who's afflicted, so they don't even have to come to God for this comfort. They can, you've got so much left, you can give it to them. You mean he's got that much for you and for me? Oh yeah, he does. Why, why would I want heaven's perspective on certain things? Because he's going to help me so I can make it and, and become whole emotionally. Or get through things. Because sometimes like Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul in Acts 27, we see his story there where he was thrown into the middle of a test, a trial, a hard time. He had had direction himself from God, and the Lord said, you know, dealt with him, warned these people not to go down this path in this boat. And they ignored him. And uh, all of a sudden, here's a guy walking with God, and he's got junk thrust on him that he had no control over. And it got so bad, everybody's emotions were jacked up. All hope had been lost. Verse 11, or 21 starts telling how he went, and, and we can tell he was praying because the response he got, the angel, this angel told him, God has given. That means he was asking. But this junk had been thrust upon him. Hope was gone. But he got perspective when he went to pray. He got an answer when he went to pray. That answer began to secure him because he got God's perspective on it. But what's so wild is, those other ones didn't hear. They're, they were all still messed up. And he said, we can eat. So he started eating. Nobody had been eating there you ever had your emotions so messed up you went on a diet and you didn't try? You know what I'm talking about? Maybe not. You're, you just lose your hunger. Their emotions were so messed up they hadn't eaten and they're not eating. And he said, be of good cheers. Be of good cheer. You ever meet those people? You're going through something they're like, woo, praise the Lord. And you're like, yeah, thank you calm down. But in all reality, they're experiencing something from the Lord. And it probably wouldn't be bad if we were too. But he just says in front of everybody, when all hope is gone, he said, you should have listened to me in the first place. I've wanted to say that a few times. I think people, I'm sure the Lord's wanted to say that to me at times. You should have listened to me in the first place. I just want to be like the Lord and say it. No. But I'm sure he's wanted to say that to me. If you'd have only listened to me in the first place. 
But he said, be of good cheer. It's not going to end up like I told you. God is now granted everybody. And so to me, so they still sit there and looking, and he starts eating. And they realize, wow, it's going to be okay. Then they all started eating. But what happened was he prayed, he sought God in a situation that really wasn't like a test and a trial. It was just something, a, a pressure situation that was thrown on him, not by himself. What did he do? He availed himself to talk to God. Let's close right here in Proverbs 15. He, he just spent some time with God. I believe he got comfort in that time because we see comfort will help us and God is the God of all comfort who would like to help us in any pressure situation in our life. He doesn't want you to just go through it with your own emotions. He wants your emotions to get affected by that eternal life by God himself. We're not talking about praying like a formula. We're just talking about, listen, you can go to God, you can talk to Him, and if you're a Spirit-filled believer, if you're not a believer, we can help you with that. If you're not filled with the Spirit, we can help you with that. But what an access to be able to pray and really connect with divine perspective and really start seeing from heaven's viewpoint and having heaven influence you and your emotions. I appreciate everybody just holding their amens till the end. Just, that way we're, I'm not interrupted as I'm moving along, you know. Because it would just slow everything down if people were like, amen, that was good, you know. So just hold on to them. Thank you. Uh, Proverbs 15 23. Look at this. Proverbs 15, 23. A man has joy by the answer of his mouth. But we're talking about praying, spending time with God to be influenced by God. You know, you ever put something in the oven and you didn't leave it long enough? It needed to come under the influence of that heat. Sometimes we just need to spend a little extra time to come under the influence of God to get perspective in order. A man has joy by the answer of his mouth and a word spoken in due season or at the right time. How good it is. It is good to get the right word and the right perspective at the right time. And the right time can be in the middle of a hard time. I mean, it is good to look back at things the Lord has dealt with us about a year ago, six months ago, six years ago. If you've been saved 60 years, then 60 years ago. And you're like, man, that was awesome when He spoke to me. And those are great. But how good it is to get one in due season or at the right time. I mean, Paul didn't need just a word uh, that he heard five years ago. Yeah, I remember when the Lord spoke to me and told me to go over to Macedonia and he's on a ship that the Lord dealt with him is sinking. And they all know it's sinking. He needed a new thing, a new word, a fresh word. He needed fresh perspective right then. 
in due season. At that time, he needed it. And you know, God's got one for you. Whether he just deals with you, sometimes you'll find when God ministers to you, you don't even need a word after a while. Amen.